Uh, Jimmy there. Major connected. All right, Jim, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Jim? Okay, can you hear me now, Jim? That's just a co-host speaker. Can you hear me now, Jim? Jim, I can hear you moving. Can you speak up? Okay. Says I'm connected with you. Yeah, you're coming in there. Okay, I saw the. Uh, I lit up when I started talking. All right, here you go. We're ready to roll. Marlo's coming in. All right. Hi. All right, we have Marlo. How are you doing, Marlo? How are Marlo you? Going? Hi, Jim. We're gonna silence you off, okay, Marlo? 
We'll bring you back in. All right now. Jill, we'll probably leave out Becky Hammond tonight while we added uh, Kathy in there. get to a few of our uh, questions in the chat as well. We'll see. Something's in the background. Are you driving, Jim? Yeah. Okay. Got it. I can't shut my mic down when I'm not talking. Don't worry about it. Well, maybe so. I may do it here. We'll see. Wait, let me try it for mine and see if that makes a difference. I'm thinking you might have to because I'm on the I'm on the I'm not on the phone like you. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to Cliff Burt and Friends. We're here tonight with a great show. And I want to, first of all, of course, introduce uh, or reintroduce my co-host, Mr. Jim Waddell. Tell him how you're doing tonight, Jim. And by the way, before you do, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Happy Kwanzaa. The first day, you moja, which stands for unity. So, Jim, tell them how you're doing tonight. I'm doing well, Cliff. Thank you for asking. All righty. Had a nice holiday with family and friends and on the way back home. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So, Jim, tonight on our mission, as, as normal, we want to highlight the very best in women's sports as well as HBCU athletics. And we have a lot of great stories to go over tonight. But first, let me give you a a little preview of what's coming. Next week, we're gonna do something that we have done on a previous show. We are gonna raise some money or attempt to for needy students at Fisk University who will be returning to college in January. And we will have, uh, invite Ms. Janine Smith, as well as Ms. Keisha Daniels to talk to us about special students at Fisk University and how our audience can uh, contribute to a fund called Talented 10th that helps students 
as they uh, are going back into uh, college in the second semester, which could be a very stressful time for some. Now, let's move on. Uh, we have some tremendous guests coming in January. January 9th, we have a double header interview. First, we have a woman who's a triple threat. Her name is Terry Williams. She was a um, scholar. She was a All-American at Virginia Tech and also a Hall of Fame basketball player. She was drafted in the WNBA draft in 2001. She played overseas for five or six years. She's also a, a, a cap, uh, excuse me, an established musician professional. And now she's finishing her PhD at Albert Einstein in the Sciences. So she'll be on January 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern for the first half hour interview. And then we have a second interview, a young man who's coaching at Fisk University who really needs no introduction. That is none other than Coach Kenny Anderson. Those of us from the 80s and 90s remember him as an outstanding basketball player at Georgia Tech, an All-American, and the second player taken in the 1991 NBA draft and had an outstanding career playing 14 years in the NBA. So that's January 9th coming up. And then two weeks later, January 23rd, we will have Dr. Ivana Rich. She is the first African-American female to be named the athletic director at Edwards Waters College in the SIAC. So we have a lineup coming in January that we are just so excited about. Now, let's get back to what we've been working on. Let's close out honoring our Woman of the Month, Miss Lucia Stewart-Harris. Miss Harris, one of the greatest centers to ever play women's basketball. Lucia Stewart-Harris, she was big, relentless, dominated the painted area like no other woman before her. During her four-year career at Delta State University, where she played under Hall of Fame coach Margaret Wade, Harris Stewart changed the face of women's basketball. Opponents, they called her unstoppable, but even that barely described her approach to the game. She scored 2,981 career points, 25.9 points per game, she grabbed 1,662 rebounds, 14.4 rebounds a game. She graduated with Delta, and she graduated with the 15 Delta State team, single game, and career records. And in 1976 alone, the Bruising Center averaged 31.2 points, 15.1 rebounds a game. She led Delta State to 109 and six record and three straight AIAW National Championships. Ms. Harris Stewart, you will truly be missed. She was a silver medalist in the Olympics and just clearly, clearly a pioneer of the game. We thank you, the late Ms. Lucia Stewart Harris, our Woman of the Month for December 2022. Now, we have somebody else we want to remember. And Jim, Marlo, I'm going to open up your mics. Because I want you to definitely, definitely chime in on this one. Recently, one of the greatest... Recently, one of the greatest track women to ever grace the track had a birthday. December 21st, 1959. Miss Florence Joyner... Griffin had a birthday. She would have been 63 years old. Now, Miss Florence Joyner Griffin, better known as Flo Jo, did something. In the 1984 Olympics in her hometown of Los Angeles, she won a silver medal in the 200 meters, but she wasn't through yet. That's the Olympics where her stylish fingernails, her one leg out running outfits, and many of the styles she brought to women's track and field were introduced, but she only had a silver medal. She married Al Joyner 
an Olympic triple jump champion, and he coached her. That's where the name Flojo came from. She came back, and in 1988, on July 16th, at the U.S. Olympic Trials, Miss Joyner Griffith, she achieved a stunning breakthrough. She ran the 100 meters in 10.49 seconds. This record was a previous held by Evelyn Ashford at 10.79. In fact, her time was faster than the men's records in countries like Ireland, New Zealand, Norway, and Turkey. Now, she wasn't through yet. Four days later, in the semifinals, she broke the nine-year-old world record for 200 meters. And then, just 100 minutes later, she set another world record in the final in the 200 meters with a time of 21.34 seconds. Those records in the 100 meters and the 200 meters have yet to be broken. And she did both of those in Seoul, Korea. She was also part of the relay team and just a pure champion. Now, their records are made to be broken. Elaine Thompson Hera of Jamaica is the only other woman to break the 10.5 barrier in 100 meters. She is running at 10.54 and has come close. Some say Flojo was wind aided. And so they are saying that Elaine Thompson Harris record equals hers, but the clock doesn't lie. And that's what stands. Jim, Shikari Richardson, Elaine Thompson Harris, Shelly Ann Frazier, and all the stylists today, they come after one woman, Florence Joyner Griffith. And so Jim, I'm gonna ask you first, and then I'm gonna ask Marlo, to chime in on what they remember about Flo Show. Jim, you go first. Well, Cliff, I remember about Florence Griffith Joyner, the hair, the nails, and just all out athletic ability. And she was a fashion influencer in the 80s. She was a great athlete. She also was a sister-in-law to Jackie Joyner Kersey, probably the, one of the greater female, greatest female athletes ever. Yeah, absolutely. Now, she passed, and Marlo, I'm coming to you. She passed of a, a seizure in her sleep at age 38. She went way too young. She was, went way too fast. But uh, Marlo, what's your thoughts on Florence Joyner Griffin? I think Flo Jo was amazing. Um, she actually set the tone and you can see that it continues to this day with all of the current uh, female track runners. She set, she just put a, a set of precedents with the style, um, not so much just the style, but just her being the fastest woman. And it's like everyone is just trying to catch her and emulate her um just to to this day um so it was always a pleasure to watch her um and to you know just want to be like her um just growing up you know running track as well so she will definitely be remembered um to this day every time you see someone on the track it's it's um it's them it's the current track runners running but it's um with their style um she's definitely remembered so my hat goes off to her and happy heavenly birthday, Flo Jo. She would have been 63 years old this past December 21st. I just saw, simply call her Poetry in Motion. Now, another outstanding woman, and she did not get the notoriety, not notoriety, excuse me. She passed Christmas Eve, and I'm going to ask our a golf expert and former golf athlete at Fisk University, my co-host, Jim Wardell. Tell me about Kathy and tell our audience about Kathy Whitworth. Kathy Whitworth was a female golfer. She has the most career wins ever, male or female, at 88. She's in the Golf Hall of Fame. She's in the uh, 
World Golf Hall of Fame as well. She won her first tourney in 1962. She was the uh, LPG from the stretch of 19, I say 66 to 72. She has six LPGA Player of the Years. She has, she was a money winner eight times in, the, in those eight years. And the Lady Bear Trophy for the lowest score seven of those eight years. She was player of the decade in 19, decade starting 1968 to 1977. She was the AP Female Athlete of the Year in 1965 and 1967. And she was the first LPGA winner to win $1 million. And I saw a stat that now the women's purse is $100 million. She was the first one to get to $1 million. Wow. Jim, uh, when I read that, I said, wait a minute. It's, I, I read it said she averaged $50,000 uh, winning per year. So from 1962 to 1983, she only won a million. Uh, I think she was a little shortchanged compared to equity in the men's purse. What do you think? Well, she came around before Title IX started. And I would say the men's purses have grown greatly, but the women's purses, like I said, for her to win a million dollars over 20 years and dominate it, and now there's $100 million worth of purse money out there, the uh, women's uh, purse money has grown greatly. And I think a lot of that could be because Title IX. Yeah. But, uh, Which Kathy Whitworth played most of her time before Title IX began. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for bringing that to, to, to the forefront, Jim. Kathy Whitworth, you will be missed and you will be remembered, and we want to make sure that we got your name out there. Rest in peace. Now, quote, thanks to the efforts of many, including you, I am home. You took the time to show me you care, and I want to personally take the time to write you and say that your effort mattered. Your letters helped me to not lose hope during a time where I was full of regret and vulnerable in ways I could have never imagined. And that is from none other than Miss Brittany Griner. And uh, Jim, as we've been covering this story since February 17th, up to now. And Marlo, I want you to chime in as well. Uh, where do you see this now? Brittany Griner is also an ambassador for, for Waylon, uh, who's still in captivity there. Where do you see this, uh, Brittany's role now, her career's going, and everything else? So go ahead and chime in. Jim, I'm going to let you chime in again, and then I'm going to come with Marlo. Okay, she is also, she's already said that she's going to play this year. But I, I think she's going to take on probably more of an ambassador role as and a player, but because of what she's gone through. And I noticed, I think you said last week, Cliff, that basically half of the WNBA women still went overseas this year with Brittany in jail. So they're going to be very, very careful with that because any little misstep, Russia or others in the, in, on behalf of Russia could put you in jail and use you as a pawn. Mm-hmm. And I'm Marlo? very happy Brittany is a pawn. Yeah, sure. Marlo? I think, um, you know, Brittany I think Brittany would definitely be um, an educator for her colleagues, um, those that are playing overseas, uh, and definitely to help educate them um, you know, of, of things that could happen while you are definitely um, playing off of American soil. Um, so if nothing else, she definitely have a testimony, not only for them, but, you know, anyone else who is in that league and um, for anyone playing, you know, overseas. So um, I just hope that she just, I, I just pray for her just to, um, 
just everything that she's going through. So right now, just sending her and her family definitely some much needed prayer, I'm sure. But I'm glad she's back home. Absolutely. Wonderful. And uh, we have anybody wants to type something in the chat. Uh, let's do that. We'll get to the questions and we're going to take a one minute break and we're coming right back. We're going to move on now, and we want to explain to our audience that this uh, podcast is now being heard, Spotify, iHeart, Facebook. We put it on Facebook. We also email it out. We also have it on Twitter, and we have it on LinkedIn. And we have listeners who may not register to the show. We've had up to 79 on one of our shows a few weeks ago. So we like to mention our schools of HBCUs so people can understand exactly where they are and exactly what we do. Now, let's go over our standing. The MEAC this week and also the CIAA and a few independents. Let's talk about the ladies. And we're only going to mention the top five in each category. Right now, Norfolk State leads the MEAC with a record of 11-3 overall. Morgan State is second, 7-5. North Carolina Central, 5-8. Howard University, the Bisons. Three and nine, and Coppin State is three and ten. There are three more teams, but now we're going to make it a little tougher. You got to get up in those top five to get some publicity on the show most of the time. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Now, we're going to go to our uh, statistics leaders. Okay. Our statistics. Uh, leaders in scoring. We have Janiah Henson from Morgan State, averaging 14.3 points a game. Destiny Howell from Howard University, averaging 14.3 points a game as well. Tied for first and second. Uh, first, Jewel Watkins, Coppin State, averaging 13.8 points a game. Marcy Staples from Coppin State, averaging 13. Point seven points a game. And Zamira Haynes from Maryland Eastern Shore is averaging 12.5 points per game. Now, we know scoring is not the only thing important in basketball. Rebounding is. So here's the MEAC, top five rebounders. Kiara Wheeler, Norfolk State, 8.2 boards a game. Lovely Sonnier, South Carolina State, 8.1 boards a game. Colleen Buckner, Coppin State, 7.7 points a game. McCoy Diawara from Norfolk State, she's averaging 6.9 boards a game. And rounding out the top five, Charlene Shepard from Morgan State, and she is averaging 6.8 points per game. All righty. Now, Let's head on over to the CIAA. Okay. While we're getting those stats coming up here, uh, we just want to talk also about, okay, here we go. So, and they have a Northern and Southern division in the CIAA. In the Northern Division, we'll mention the top three. Virginia Union, 
seven and four overall, first place. Lincoln out of Pennsylvania, seven and five overall. Bowie State, six and five overall. In the Southern Division, Fayetteville State, seven and four overall. Claflin, eight and three overall. And Winston-Salem State, they are six and four overall. Now let's go to our statistical leaders in the CIAA. And by the way, CIAA, Central Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, and the MEAC, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Now, our leading scorers, <clears throat> CIAA, Shania Jones from Johnson C. Smith leads the league 21.9 points a game. Nia Langley, Virginia Union, 17.4 points a game. Amaya Tucker, Winston-Salem State, 17.3 points per game. Kanya Polak, Lincoln, Pennsylvania, the defending champions, 16.5 points per game. And Tania Green, St. Augustine College, 16 points per game. They round out the top five scorers in the CIAA. Now let me give you the ladies that rebound on the boards. India Howard from Johnson C. Smith, she averages 11.6 boards a game. Nia Langley, Virginia Union, 11 boards a game. Anissa Fields, Lincoln out of Pennsylvania, nine boards a game. Serena Pitts, Elizabeth City State, 7.7 boards a game. London Thompson rounds it out at Fayetteville State at 7.5 boards per game. So there you have it, the CIAA. Now, we want to give you the rest of the picture for women's college basketball. <coughs> Excuse me. In Division One, these are the rankings. South Carolina remains number one. They're 12-0. Stanford, 13-1, number two. Ohio State, 13-0, number three. Indiana, 12-0, number four. Notre Dame, 10 and 1, number 5, number 6 ranked. NC State, 11 and 1, 7, Virginia Tech, 11 and 1, the Yukon Huskies, number 8, 9 and 2, LSU, 12 and 0, and number 10, UCLA, 12 and 1. Now, we want to give you something that's very important. More than just Division 1, there's Division 2, there's Division 3, and there's NAIA divisions. All have March Madness and all are opportunities for scholarships. Also, our HBCUs have to look at all the big picture of competition. These are the teams who they will face in the big tournament for the national championship, voted on by the Women's Basketball's Coaches Association. In Division Two, Grand Valley State, 11-0. Ashland, number two, 11 and 0. Drury, number three, 11 and 1. Glenville State, they won it all last year. They were 9 and 1. Number five, West Texas AM, 10 and 1. Number six, Tampa, 10 and 0. Number seven, Minnesota State, Moncanto, Moncanto, 10 and 1. Western Washington, 7 and 1. Missouri Southern State, 11 and 1. And Colorado Mines, 10 and 1. Now, let's go to the top coaches poll. NCAA Division Three women's poll. Now, why do I mention this? Many players can get scholarships to Division Three schools that will pay their way on an academic ride, and that's just as good as an athletic ride. And so here we go. Number one, Christopher Newport. 10 and 0 at a Newport News, Virginia. NYU, number two, 8 and 0. Number three, Trinity, 9 and 0. Number four, Hope, 9 and 1. Number five, Transylvania, 9 and 0. Number six, Amherst, 7 and 0. Seven, Scranton, 8 and 0. Number eight, Baldwin Wallace, 9 and 0. Number nine, Babson, 7 and 0. And Smith, Eight and one. All of these have March Madness tournaments. Division one, 
Division two, Division three. Now, let me give you one more. The NAIA, National Associates of Intercollegiate Athletics. Number one ranked, 10-0, Thomas Moore. Number two, 10-0, Campbellsville. Number three, Dort, D-O-R-D-T, 10-0. Central Methodist, number four, 10-0. Loyola, 10-0. Westmont, California, 10-0. St. Thomas, 9-1. Indiana South Bend, 9-1. And Rio Grande, 9-1. You heard it, Rio Grande. Now, none of our HBCU teams, NAI teams, are in the top 10 in NAIA. In fact, Philander Smith is the highest ranked. They are first place in the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference, but nationally, they're ranked 29th at 8-2. and two. Florida Memorial, another HBCU, HBCU, excuse me, NAIA school, is ranked 45th in the country in NAIA. And ranked 62nd, Stillman, with Stillman ladies. So there you have it. We have some work to do, but they all would make the March Madness tournament. Last but not least, in NAIA, the statistical leaders. Let me announce <coughs> only one HBCU player is ranked in the top five in any NAIA category. Fisk University's Maya Buchanan not only averages 20.1 points per game, but she's ranked number two in the country in NAIA in rebounds at 14.1 rebounds per game. Congratulations, Maya Buchanan, Fisk University. So we want to say, let's keep up the good work. But when you look at the national picture, we still have quite a bit of work to do for our HBCUs to compete and get to the national championship, not just think in conference terms. Now, before we go to the break, we want to talk a little bit <coughs> WNBA. The WNBA has the order for their draft coming up in April. Already set. They drew the straws. And this, these are the projected picks. Number one, to the Indiana Fever, should be Aaliyah Boston, South Carolina Gamecocks, National Player of the Year last year, projected to be National Player of the Year this year. She has all the skills, footwork, defense, scoring. She's projected to go number one. Number two, and we're just going to go over the first five tonight, Minnesota Lynx would draft six-foot-one senior guard from Stanford, Miss Haley Jones. Minnesota Lynx have lost the great center, Sylvia Fowles, and they need an all-around player now to rebuild their foundation. Haley Jones is considered one of the next best all-around players and tall guards. If she approves her shooting, they will begin to compare her to Maya Moore and Simone Augustus, and that's some pretty, pretty big company. Number three, the Atlanta Dream. Last year's pick, they got the number one pick in Rhonda Howard from Kentucky, and she lived up to a billing. But they are projected to get Rakia Jackson from the Tennessee Lady Vols. This 6'2 forward is a defender, but she's also averaged 16.2 points, 5.3 bounds, and 1.4 steals. And she has great quickness. She's projected number three right now. Number four, the steal of the draft. The Washington Mystics don't look or have to look far. Diamond Miller, who plays for Brenda Freese in Maryland, this six feet three senior guard can do it all. Let me give you just a few, just a few of her stats. She's averaging 16.3 points per game, eight or nine rebounds a game, and approximately three assists. She can do it all. And Washington Mystics are looking to build their future around Diamond Miller, or at least projected, if they can get their hands on her. Chicago Sky, last year or the year before, is defending champion and were knocked out of the playoffs this year by Connecticut. They are projected to take a guard 
five foot nine senior, Charisma Osborne. You don't hear much about her. She plays for UCLA, a tremendous defender, a defender, and she also averages sixteen point four points per game. Better known for her defense, but her offense is coming. Those are the first five projected for the WNBA 2023 draft to occur in April. And those are the team's picking orders. So I just want to say, as we are coming to the end of the women's segment, good luck to all these ladies as they finish their season, and we will keep up with them. One more thing, and then we'll go commercial, and we'll come back with Jim. Indoor, track and field. We're going to begin to cover that, beginning with the SWAT, CIAA next week. These athletes work just as hard. And oftentimes, we don't pay attention to outdoor season comes in April, May, and June. But they are working very hard. And normally, the champion indoor becomes the champion outdoor. And we want to make sure we highlight them as well. We're going to go to break. And then we're coming right back. And Jim, you're going to tell us all about the men's athletics. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. First, we're going to go over the MEAC, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. Leading scorer is Sam Sessions from Coppin State at 23.5 points per game. Second leading scorer is Isaiah Barnes at 17.3 points from Morgan State. Followed in third place by his teammate Malik Miller, also from Morgan State, at 17.0. Norfolk State's Joe Bryant at 16.5. And North Carolina Central's Justin Wright at 15.8. In rebounds, you've got Malik Miller from Morgan State with 8.7. Nathaniel Pollard from Maryland Eastern Shore at 7.4. Stevie Settle from the real HU, Howard University, 6.9. Davion Everhart from South Carolina State with 6.7, and Chris Bankston at Norfolk State with 6.6. I'm also going to give some love to those that spread the love, the assist men. You have Eric Boone from North Carolina Central at 5.5, Sam Sessions again at 5.4 from Coppin State. Elijah Hawkins from Howard University at 4.5. Christian Inge from North Carolina, Norfolk State at 3.8. And Malik Miller, 3.4 from Morgan State. Malik Miller was on all three of the awards. Player of the the Week is Sam Sessions from Coppin State. He is the four-time Player of the Week. All four weeks they've done Player of the Week, Sam Sessions has won all or part of that award. And Joe Bryant from Norfolk State was also up there. The standings for the MIAC will be Norfolk State at 9-5, Howard at 7-8, North Carolina Central at 6-7, Maryland Eastern Shore at 5-7, Morgan State at 4-8, Coppin State at 5 and 10, South Carolina State at 2 and 12, and Delaware State at 1 and 11. Also, defensive player of the uh, week was uh, Clifford Chris Ford from Norfolk State. Now, I know these records don't sound that well, but these are all playing probably larger schools. When they get down to the division, which starts after Christmas, you'll start to see the teams separate. Now, the CIAA, 
we've got leading scorer is Robert Osborne at 19.5 from Virginia Union. Second is Terrence Hunter Whitfield at 18.1 from Virginia State. We've got Corey Williams at 17.7 from Lincoln in Pennsylvania. We've got Ezekiel Connerly at 15.5 from J.C. Smith. We've got at North Carolina, Winston-Salem State University, we've got Jalen Gibbs at 14.5. Rebounders, we've got Raymond Wright at 9.7 from Virginia Union. Robert Osborne from Virginia Union at 9.3. Jalen Austin at 8.0 from Winston-Salem State. Francis Fitzgerald at 7.8 uh, rebounds per game from Virginia State. Jaden Gibson from Winston-Salem State is having a 7.3. Assist leaders are going to be Zach Newkirk at 4.5. DJ Zach, Zach is from Virginia State. DJ Thomas from Shaw at 3.8. Virginia Union's Robert Osborne at 3.5. Elizabeth City State College's Chris Wright at 3.5 also. And Santiago Teal from Winston-Salem State at 3.4. And the uh, CIAA Player of the Week is Tyler Foster from Fort Valley State. 21 points a game, 5.7 rebounds per game. And the Defensive Player of the Year is Ramad Wright with 14.5 points and four blocks. Standings, in the north, you've got Virginia State, four and three, nine and three, I'm sorry. Bowie State at four and 10 and two, four, two and one in the league. Virginia Union is 10 and 2, 1 and 1 in the league. Lincoln is 6 and 8, 1 and 2 in the league. Shaw is 6 and 7, 1 and 2 in the league. Elizabeth City State is 5 and 8 and 0 and 3 in the league. In the south, you've got Claflin at 9 and 1. Two and one in the league, Winston-Salem State. Ten and two, two and one in the league. Livingston is six and six and two and one in the league. Fayetteville State is seven and seven and two and one in the league. St. Augustine is four and seven, one and one in the league. And J.C. Johnson C. Smith is four and seven and zero oh and two in the league. Now in our major independence, TSU is eight and five and led by Clay Jr. at 16.4 points a game. And Marcus Fitzgerald at 14.3 points a game. And Christian Brown is 14 points per game. Adai Mocker has 5.5 rebounds. And Clay Jr. has 4.8 rebounds. North Carolina A&T, 5-8. You got Cam Woods at 17.3 points a game. Marcus Winston at 14.1. Demetric Horton at 12.7. And 2.9 assists per game. And Austin Johnson at 6.5 rebounds per game. Hampton. Is three and nine, led by Russell Dean with 18.5 points a game. Jordan Nesbitt, 15.2 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game. And Ray Bethel at 15.0 points a game. In the Division Two, you've got BCU at 13th. You've got uh, 
Northwest Missouri State, number one. Indiana, Pennsylvania, two. Nova Southeastern, three. West Liberty, four. Black Hills, five. Hillsdale, six. Villander, St. Louis, Missouri, University, St. Louis, seven. Lincoln, not Lincoln in Pennsylvania. Uh, you got Fort Lewis, nine, and Colorado Mines at 10. In the NAIA, we have Langston, which is 11 and 0, is ranked number seven. Jim, is that yes. the basketball segment for the? Okay, let me add this on before we go to quick break because I don't want the ladies to get mad at me. I didn't give the independence. Tennessee State Tigers for women, they are five and six record and they're ranked fourth on the OBC. Hampton Pirates are three and seven, and North Carolina T ladies are six and five. North Carolina T ranked third in the conference and Hampton is ranked 12th out of 13th I believe correct me Jim that's the big south conference am I right for A&T am I wrong for Hampton uh they have done some switching and I, I'm not sure with that sure I think okay. I think AT and A&T is in for football so when I was looking up those things I was looking in those conferences I couldn't find Hampton or um North Carolina A&T. Okay. They're in the same conference, I know, for basketball. Thanks so much, Jim. I know you're working hard and you're on the road. And uh, we're going to come back. We're going to give about a minute break. And, Jim, we're going to wrap up the football. Football season in HBCU is over. But we have All-Americans and uh, in Division One, Division Two, We have final rankings. And we're going to give about 30 seconds. And we're coming right back to you, Jim. Great job on the basketball. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right, Jim. We're going to let you continue on with the football segment. Okay, the final top 10 in FCS for the Black College top 10 will be North Carolina Central at 10 and 2, Jackson State at 12 and 1, FAMU at 9 and 2, North Carolina A&T at 7 and 4. Southern University at seven and five, Alabama State at six and five, Howard at five and six, Prairie View A and M at six and five, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read my own writing here. Uh, Alcorn State is number 10, and I believe this is going to be Texas Southern at number nine. All right, now we go over to uh, Division and we have Benedict. I'm gonna give you the top 10 again there for HBCUs. Division two Benedict now. Is mm -hmm. Yes, Division Two. Benedict is number one. Virginia Union is number two. Albany State, number three. Fayetteville State, number four. Fort Valley State, number five. Tuskegee, number six. Bowie State, number seven. Virginia State, 
and followed by sorry Savannah State now on to division black college all Americans and we have Shador Sanders at quarterback I'm sorry, Cliff. Just trying to get some lights and subject. That's okay. I know you. Hey, you're traveling. You're giving it to us tonight. Let's go. Jada We're Byers right. at Virginia Union. Tyler Brown, JSU, Jalen Goss, Dallas, State. Smith uh, from FAMU and Shawan Davis, South Carolina State. Now on to these. Those are kick returners and the punt returners. Okay, on to the defense. Okay. Lorbert Davis from Bennett. Isaiah Land, defensive line, FAMU. Kamari Steffens, FAMU, defensive line. Miles Gaddy. Jackson State University. I believe his father is Big Daddy Gaddy from Nashville. Uh, Carl Adams, linebacker. Aubrey Miller, Jackson State, linebacker. B.J. Davis, linebacker mm -hmm. of South Carolina State. Defensive backs are going to be Khalil Butler, North Carolina Central. Isaiah Hamilton, TSU. Cameron Smothers, JSU. Kenny Gallup, Howard. Corleone Harris, Southern. And the final defensive back is uh, Kelvin Larkins out of Livingstone. Mm -hmm. So, Jim, let me ask you this. What about the uh, signing day? They just had the National Signing Day. And everybody's talking about how's Jackson State going to carry on. How well did they do on signing day with Coach TC now coaching? Okay, well, the signing day, Jackson State is number one in black colleges. They've gotten, I think, one four-star and I think five three-stars. Wonderful. FAMU is second with... Uh, three four stars, no four three stars. I'm sorry. Alcorn State has one four star and two three stars. Grambling four three stars. Morgan State two three stars. Southern one three star. Tennessee State has one three star. And rounding out the top ten are North Carolina Central, Alabama State, and Prairie View. Yeah, I, I think Jackson State is not going to drop off as bad as people think they are, even though Travis Hunter is gone. He announced today he's going to Colorado. And and Dion, had, you know, took about 10 of his top players, and, and I understand that. But I don't think Jackson State is going to drop off like people think they are. Think they are. I think it's going to be a pleasant surprise next year. So I'm great to hear I that. I don't either. Yeah, I'm great to hear that about their um, recruiting class. The second thing, Jim, is how did – if you know this, how did Jackson State do in the transfer portal as far as players transferring in? I know they have one top four-star who's, who's transferring in. Well, you, a lot of those players, Dion had 1,100 players come to his last two home games. So I'm sure a lot of those players, well, some, because 1,100, I mean, if you got 1% of that, you'd be lucky. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I think he's getting at least four or five of those players that came in for those games. Great, great. And I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you I forgot the, the special teamers on the uh, HBCU All-American sure. team. Chris Fulwoo, 
punter from FAMU, Jose Romo Martinez, a kicker from FAMU, Quincy Hall from Bowie State is a punt returner, and Keith Jenkins from Morgan State is a kick returner. Now, FAMU had, I think, five, six players on the all HBCU team. Remember, that was a team that 25 of their players were not able to play because of some misguided uh, things in their uh, athletic department. But after losing to North Carolina in a close one and Jackson State in a blowout, FAMU did not lose. They went 9-0 and during that time. So we'll, we'll see how FAMU does. I think they're going to do very well next year. I do too. Jim, on the national stage, uh, as the um, Division Two playoffs, which no, no FCS playoffs finished, who won it? Let's talk about is it North Dakota State? Now this is a tournament that FAMU, and if Jackson State didn't play in the Celebration Bowl, they would have been in this national playoff for FCS. But who actually won that tournament? I may have lost Jim. May have. He's on the road. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's North Dakota State has won the FCF championships, and they are usually the team that's in it every year. Jim, come on back in if you're coming back in. I know you're on the road here. But I was asking, who won the FCF championship? Can you hear me, Jim? They have a game. Going in and out. That uh, South Dakota State and North Dakota are playing in. So this game okay. is yet to be played. Got it. Got it. Well, Jim, we're going to um, we got we, we got about two more minutes left. Uh, anything on any additional? I tell you what. We'll save it for next week because I really want to go over in detail the HBCU NFL prospects for the draft coming up uh, next year. But I do have a question. What are the all-star games that are HBCU seniors and NFL hopefuls? What are some of those that they'll be playing in? What is Senior Bowl and Mobile? I believe this year is the second year they'll have a HBCU All-Star Games separate from the Senior Bowl and Mobile. So there are going to be a lot of chances and the Combine. There are going to be a lot of chances for these young men to show their wills to the end. Right. And last year, I think six, six HBCU players made the NFL, and I believe that this year we can get eight to ten. But we're going to keep a close eye on yes. that. And so, uh, yeah. Jim, I want to thank you and our listeners, too. I know you're on the road, but you, you bring it to us every time. And um, next week, we'll raise a little bit of money from students at Fisk. We'll continue to bring you the best in women's athletics and the HBCU sports. And also, uh, before Jim gives us the uh, information for Wednesday, our show is focused strictly on HBCU sports and the best in women's athletics. But there's the NBA. There's the NFL, there's hockey, there's golf. And Jim is going to tell us before we get out of here how we can get some more of that information on Wednesday evening. So, Jim, we'll turn it over to you before we go. Sure. The first thing and the thing I need to do is give a shout-out to my wife, Cheryl, and daughter, Juliana, for being very patient with me today on the road. Amen. All righty. Give me the time. Cheryl says thumbs up. Now, the Hi, Mark, Jones hey, show, Mark Jones and Friends is going to be on Wednesdays from 9 to 11 on Facebook Live at Superstation 9, 10 a.m. out of Detroit. They're also on iHeartRadio I and TuneIn. So please feel free to listen to the Mark Jones and Friends Sports Talk on Wednesday from 9 to 11 on those platforms. It's a little bit different because we get a little more lively and they get spirited. So 
Mark likes to call it barbershop talk. So we're, we're getting into some barbershop talk. But please listen to the Mark Jones and Friends show on Facebook Live. Tune in and iHeartRadio. All righty. We thank everyone tonight for coming on the show. And we look forward 168 hours from now, same time next week. Cliff Burton, friends, thank you so much, and good evening.